You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast, friends. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. Thanks so much for tuning in today, everyone. I'm really excited to be airing, re-airing a past episode that really, really stuck with me when I recorded it, and I still think about it like very frequently, two years later. It's my conversation with Victoria Albina. So let me give you some context first. Last weekend, my husband took the girls on a little trip. He took the big girls for a long weekend, and the baby and I were home alone. And girlfriend got strep, of course, like the rest of the family, so we were stuck at home for a few days. Nothing scheduled, a quiet house. And at first, I was like rushing around, getting caught up on laundry, tidying the house, prepping meals, like getting trying to get ahead. And eventually, I just I kind of ran out of things to do for other people other than just snuggle and and feed Sella, feed the baby. And I felt really weird. Like it was kind of out of body. I felt almost anxious in a way, not content whatsoever to not be serving anyone else in that moment. And it reminded me of this episode. So I listened back and was like, oh girl, it's time to to be reminded that your value is not on how much you're doing for other people. So I downloaded some new audiobooks and they took baths while Stella was napping and I just lounged around and rested and I took care of myself as much as I could and it was so glorious. Oh my gosh. So I say this because we all need a check-in every once in a while. You know, are we wrapping our worth in the things that we do for other people? Are we doing enough for ourselves? Victoria really breaks this down today. Right out the gate, she starts dropping significant truth bombs. You know, why is self-care hard for women? Why do we feel guilt? And spoiler alert, everybody, it's not anything that you are doing wrong. We break down, you know, the cultural pressures on our role to take care or you know, take care of other people and essentially not take care of ourselves. So It really makes me feel really liberated when I listen to Victoria talk about this, that like, oh, this isn't something I did, but it is something I can change moving forward. And I hope that you feel that in this episode as well. So caveat that we did record this episode in September of 2021. So we talked a little bit about COVID and, you know, just we were at home at that time. But the overall messaging from Victoria is so evergreen and I wanted you all to hear it. If you're new here, thank you so much for listening. This is a show all about self-care and self-discovery. You can listen each week for ideas on how to take care of yourself or learn more about yourself. And if you want to watch on YouTube, we're over there as well now. So follow us on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast. And if you want to get to know about all the upcoming events, workshops, new services, things that I'm offering, and always lots of self-care tips, hop on our newsletter as well. You can grab that with a link in the show notes to get a free self-care for your cycle workbook. You know, as this is airing, friends, we are on spring break. We're out of town. We're in the sun. 
and finally hitting in that stride of renewal. It's springtime. So before you know it, it's going to be summer. And I hope you feel that hope. I hope that you feel that like resurgence of energy right now. I really do. And it's, it feels good. We're there. It's airy season. Let's go. Thanks again for being here, everyone. Let's hop to my conversation with Victoria Albina. Okay. I'm super jazzed to talk to you today, Victoria. This is great. I can, you just said you're uncaffeinated. I'm highly caffeinated. So maybe somewhere our energies will match, I'm sure. But thanks for being here. Thanks for taking the time. It is such a delight to be here. Thank you. I'm excited. I was too. listening to your show and I've, I've listened to it since I've been introduced to your work. And I this is so funny because I got the question the other day, why is self-care so hard? And I immediately thought of you and just the stuff that you talk about and from the lens of feminism and just kind of like, you know, do it, doing the work. Why do you think self-care is hard for women specifically? Mm. Well, I think, I think there's a lot to unpack there. Right. right? I think, right. Let, let's start with actually answering the question and then let's destroy the question. Okay. <laughs> right. Great. So, all right, let's start with throwing patriarchy under the bus, which is like my top 10 favorite sports. Yes. Actually, it's my favorite sport. Yeah, so let's start all the way under the bus. So human socialized as women are trained and taught to put ourselves last always and forever, right? Like growing up for so many of us, it's like the mom and the kid and the girl children do the dishes while the boys and the men's go and like watch the game, right? We are taught to be quiet. We are trained to be subservient. Mm -hmm. We are trained to believe that our bodies need to be small and our voices do too. And so of course, it's challenging to put yourself first when you've been indoctrinated to believe that that's selfish, which is coded as a bad thing when it's for women, right? That um, when we're taught that taking care of ourselves means abandoning someone else, not being a good parent, daughter, child, mom, uh, on and on and on and on. It's, it's coded as a failing. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then under late stage capitalism, we are taught that self-care means spending money and spending yes. hours. Right. We are taught that self-care is like within a white settler colonialist framework. We're taught that self-care is this siloed. I have to be alone on the mountaintop all the way away right? All the way in the ashram to take care of me. Mm. And it's not a collective experience. It's not Mm community-based, right? We have taken the concept and the work of self-actualization and made it just so white, like just so alone versus connection, community, co-regulation of our nervous system, taking a sip of tea and pausing. Mm. Instead, we've commodified it. So of course it feels hard when it feels like this production. And I think the greatest self-care in the world is learning to manage our minds, is learning how to become aware of our own thoughts, our chronic and habitual thoughts that keep us feeling like shit about ourselves, right? Because if we don't know what's going on in the kepi, if our brain's just like, that will create those feelings of inferiority, imposter syndrome, less than, not worthy of love, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, right? All of that will go on unchecked in our hearts, in our bodies, in the somatic experience of being alive. And of course, you need a bubble bath. So I teach my clients thought work, somatic practices, breath work, so they never need self-care and they can always have it if they want it. Mm. Yeah, goosebumps. Well, mm. I knew you were the person to ask. I thought Thank of you it. right away. I was like, Thank I have it. an answer for this. It was very similar, but you put it yeah. so much more eloquent. I love that. Oh. So, okay. You, you touched on the tools, the modalities, the things that you use, but you've got 
a world of knowledge, a world of experience, um, training. Can you talk about all of those areas that you really tap into? Yeah. I have a PhD in being a total nerd. Also (laughs) sometimes being a dork, I'm just going to own it. I used to pretend I was too cool to be a dork, that I was just a nerd. Cause like nerds are cool and dorks are like, "Mm." but now I'm like, actually I'm super dorky and it's fine. Um, other than that training, which was lifelong, I am a family nurse practitioner. I have a master's degree in public health where I studied epidemiology, international public health, infectious disease, which has been fascinating knowledge to have in the last almost two years, and also trained as a life coach uh, with the Life Coach School. Um, I also am certified as a breathwork meditation guide, and I am a nerd of the polyvagal theory, the nervous system, somatic practices. I trained with the Sensory Motor Psychotherapy Institute, which is Pat Ogden's school. And I Mm. just love learning. I just love learning. And I love um, psychology and wellness and the interplay of where our biology, where our physiology meets right? With our mental wellness and the downstream impacts on our physiology uh, and the upstream impacts on the way we think about ourselves in the world. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about codependency today and yeah. that's that's the topic at hand, but I, I want to get your take with just your collection of knowledge and your experience and just this, this, I I sometimes call these things like menus, like your menus of, <laughs> of, of like tools. Yeah. What have you done to stay well yourself in the last year and a half, like knowing what you know about disease and also the nervous system, like what have been your practices? Yeah. Um, exercise has been such, so I had from childhood had uh, really intense digestive issues, mm. um, went misdiagnosed, undiagnosed for a very long time. I got that irritable bowel syndrome diagnosis, which yeah. is like, just like garbage. Generalized. It's like, like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) stop being lazy. But I actually had parasites and bacterial overgrowth, uh, which is a very common story. Um, And so when your gut is a hot mess, depression, anxiety are sort of part and parcel of that because because science. Um, And so (laughs) exercise has been a really huge part for me of managing my mental wellness, teamed, of course, with thought work. And I do thought work every single day. I wake up. It's one of the first things I do when I open my eyes is grab my journal and just download whatever is rattling around in my subconscious overnight, get it into my journal, And then I go for a run. I go for a walk. I do a yoga. You know, I do a a thing. I do a movements. I get sweaty. You know, I love that Isaac Denison quote, the cure for everything is salt water, sweat, tears, or the sea. And it rings so true for me. Yeah. So I sweat. I connect in physiologically. I dance. Not well, but with so (laughs) much so much desire to move energy, to get that vital life force moving within me. And then I come back to my journal and I look at my thought download from my sleepy mind from the morning and I look at it and I start to pull out the circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results, the thought work protocol that I teach my clients and ask myself, what am I creating in my life from these habitual thoughts that I can see so clearly before my brain has really turned on? Mm. And really keeping up with my daily thought work and <clears throat> paired with somatic practices, really connecting into my soma, my body, um, and just remembering to get present because it's so easy like to get overwhelmed by the news and the statistics and the stress and to just not be present in our bodies, mm-hmm. um, which also is a great coping mechanism. It's totally fine to check out sometimes as long as you're choosing it on purpose, but really making sure that I'm being intentional and purposeful about when I am 
present and here. And when I'm like, all right, time for some Netflix, you know, Mm -hmm. and not feeling bad about either one, right. You know what you need in the moment. It's just go for those. I love this balance, this dance of like, so I work a lot with the astrological chart in how to navigate self-care. It's like that moon, you're coming out of the sleep, you're doing your journaling, and then you move into the sun practice by moving your body. That's like, Mm, like butter. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to guess my, guess I, my, my big three horrible at asking? Oh, you are okay. guessing. So I won't even try, okay, but I great. feel like there's probably some fire in that chart solidly. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's the, vibe. just, that's just like the most. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you? What's your big three? So I'm very much a Leo. Very much. My son is very much in Leo. My moon in is, is in Sag in the Ooh. eighth house. Yes. Mm. Um, and then I have a Taurus rising. So you should see me pack for vacation. It's um, it's a thing. It's, a thing. it's just like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, I think is eighth. I'm trying to think of like Sag eighth house. It's sort of like the work hard, play hard vibe, right? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I can tell. Can you can tell. Already. You can tell. <laughs> I never guess because I feel like it's just, I don't know, people, there's such a light and a dark to every sign and and everyone can figure those things out, but I'm glad that we're on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Let's get into codependency because this is something I have not touched in yet. And as Mm. it on the show anyways, Mm -hmm. and how it relates to self-care, I think is that is really just this idea that you can't take care of yourself unless somebody else is involved. Like that's a challenge in self-care, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain what it is. Sure. What is codependency? Yeah. So I start first and foremost by saying that I do not believe that anyone on this planet is codependent. Okay. I don't believe that that label is helpful because it, listen, the way our nervous systems, the way our neurology works, the thoughts that you think over and over and over become beliefs. You create a neural groove and your body creates a heuristic. It creates a shortcut. It's like, oh, I am a codependent. I am a perfectionist. I am a people pleaser. And then it's like, well, fuck, I guess I'm screwed now, right? <laughs> so instead, yeah. I talk about these thoughts as thought habits. It's it's a system. It's a framework. It's a matrix for moving through the world and sourcing safety where you can. So codependent thinking is when we chronically and habitually source our worth and value from other people, places, and things instead of from within ourselves. So it's about over-functioning in other people's lives, but under-functioning in our own. So we end up chronically putting the focus of our lives on someone else, on the job, on keeping the house clean, on, right, on everything other than our own needs, because we want the validation that we believe will come when someone else recognizes we're over-functioning on their behalf. Because we don't believe we're fully worthy of love, we also choose partners, jobs, situations and circumstances that confirm that fear, situations that demand our love, our respect, our time, our energy, our care, but decline to give the same back to us. And I say decline because it's not that they can't, it's just not what they're here for, Mm. right? And so from that fear, right, oh, if I leave them in this romantic partnership, I'll never find another partnership. So I'm just going to stay in this, even though it sucks, even though I'm upset, even though it's painful, right? That's better than nothing because being alone is so petrifying because then there'll be no one to, to even pretend that they will, they will give me the love and safety and, and security I'm looking for. 
So can we exhibit codependent habits? Um, I guess like, what do they look like? How, how mm. do we know that we're, we're in that matrix? Yeah, because we are constantly looking for someone else to make us feel safe. And so I think of it like having this spotlight on your forehead that you're shining on the entire world asking, are you okay? Are you okay? Do you think well of me? Do you know I'm a good person? Do you think I'm nice? Can I fix you? Can I help you? Can I serve you? Can I be a savior, a martyr, a saint? And we completely forget ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, like what was it, like two, three days ago, I had a, a date over and I offered them like something to eat or drink. And they were like, no, I'm good. And I was like, oh, but like you haven't eaten today. Like I started fucking stepping into that Kodap mom fixer shit. And I was like, mm. yo, breathe on it, girl, breathe. Right. And I have been actively working on, on healing these wounds for like 20 years, but the cassette tape is still in there. Right. And my nervous system is still going to hit play. And that's fine. That's okay. As long as I step in to be my own best advocate. Right. Absolutely. To show up for myself and be like, hit pause. Right. No need to guilt or shame, but do not step in and try to mother a grown adult. Mm -hmm. Do not step in and be someone's fixer. You asked a question, you got an answer, drop it. Mm. Don't project, right? Because what I was trying to do, what my inner children were seeking to do in that moment was to be the one who took care of them, the one that made them feel comfortable and cozy, the one that knew better for them than they know for themselves. So now I'm indispensable. So now you won't abandon me. Right? 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 Yeah. Oh, oh Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yo, drop it. But like with full love, compassion, care, acceptance, like I know, I know why my inner children want to do this, right? Mm -hmm. I get it. I had one anxious attaching parent, one avoidant attaching. Mm -hmm. And so the way for me to have that faux sense of being secure is to insist that other people live on my terms. And that is paternalistic condescending. It's fucked up, right? Which yeah. doesn't make me a bad person. It makes me a person with habits, with cassette tapes. And the work is about learning to hit pause and not believe the tape just because it's running in your mind. Like You don't have to believe your thoughts. And you can meet yourself with love, care, and compassion along the way. Because mm. you can't heal hurt with more hurt. It's not how that works. Or over controlling it, right? Like you can't right. like micromanage it. You're talking to a cancer son. So mm. let's talk about nurturing others as a way of identifying with the world, <laughs> like literally my whole existence. And I'm, this is, so I'm, I have two little kids and I, I, I learned so much through parenting. I yeah. think it's such a, it's this like fuel by fire and talk about it on the show a lot. And then we recently re-sleep trained my three-year-old. What was so wild about this is in those moments up leading up to this, like needing to rejigger her sleep is that I was like, okay, I'll take care of you. I'm just going to snuggle you and make sure you have all the oils and you have mm -hmm. all the, the stuffies and all the things. And the minute we worked with the coach and she was like, Hey, you need to shut that flipping door, shut the door and leave and don't come back until the morning. Right. Yeah. Did shut you want to die? <laughs> I was awful. I was, I was so, I was so stressed. And you know what? What? It worked in like two nights. Yeah. She was like sleeping through the night. She's like, cool. I'm, I can function. I don't need you to micromanage my every need. And it's funny that you say that, like that almost that inherent nature to want to do it to adults too. We totally do this, want to take care of them instead of ourselves. Yeah. Right. Because if we don't think we're worthy of love, it is super uncomfortable to take care of ourselves because we believe we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. 
Other yeah. people are worthy of love, but we're not. So if I focus on you, I can keep that story alive. And here's the thing. We want to keep the story alive in the background, because if we bring it to the fore and say, I actually am worth taking a break, I actually am worth feeding, I actually am worth speaking up for, then we fear that someone else, remember, because everyone else is more important, their beliefs matter so much more than us, someone else, mom, dad, partner, boss, best friend, will say, you're wrong. You're wrong for resting. You're lazy. You're wrong for taking care of you right? And that will confirm our worst nightmare. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we, we keep our needs hidden. And I'm trying to think like, okay, someone says that and then what? Let's say you're lazy. Then what? Well, the story is then I will crumble and die because yeah, I don't we think that, of course. Yeah. We, we don't believe that we have the capacity to have our own backs. Mm -hmm. I mean, Everything, all the work I do in the world is to to help humans socialized as women to recognize that you can have your own back and you won't die. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just sum up my six month program as yes, just let's. that, right? <laughs> but that's what it is. You can believe in your worth, even if no one else does. You actually can believe it and you can act in service of that belief, in service of your own life, in service of your worthiness. And your neediness. Be needy, baby. Do it. Mm -hmm. Have needs. Speak them. Meet them. Honor them. Versus shoving them under and then resenting everyone else. Right. right. Yeah. So when you work with clients, whether it be one-on-one -on -one or within your course, what does that look like on the other end? When someone is leaning into their needs, they're asking for mm. these needs to be fulfilled. They are recognizing that they're worthy of love. What is that? Like, how is their life different? It's so beautiful. Well, first, you know, so there's this, there becomes this great confusion from codependent thinking that we are, we're not really voicing our true needs. We're like going along to get along and, and what we're doing in our subconscious, what we're doing eh, sometimes rather consciously is we want other people to read our mind and to meet our needs without speaking them. Mm. Right. So we have this push pull because we love a good push pull of you are not meeting the needs that I did not tell you I have. And I'm pissed at you for it. And I am not meeting my own needs because I don't believe I'm capable of it. And I'm pissed about it. And so the work is first to, to start to name our needs. Right. My my. My clients, like most codependent thinkers, don't know if they want coffee or tea in the morning. They don't know if they want pizza or a hot dog. They don't know if they want a dress or slacks. Like they're so living from the neck up and so disconnected from their bodily experience that making these small decisions and big decisions can feel so challenging. So it's about getting in touch with our day-to-day. -day, the, the, you know, I often say life is made of the quotidian bullshit, right? Like those little day-to-day, minute-to-minute, moment-to-moment. Like, am I going to go to Target because I the kids want a thing? Or am I actually going to go read for five minutes? Like, what are the daily choices that make up a life? So it's figuring out what you want and need. And that starts with building trust in yourself. Right. And from there, before you ask someone else to meet your needs, meet them for you first. Right. Give yourself the bubble bath. Give yourself the rest. Give yourself the time to do thought work. Take yourself on a run. 
and then invite someone else to co-regulate with you. And then turn to the people you love and say, hey, I, I, would, I would like it if you could do X, Y, Z for me, with me, next to me. Yeah. So it's less about demanding that others meet our needs from that, right? Like we were talking about self-care. Do we need self-care? Do we want it? Mm-hmm. And I don't want my clients to ever uh, come to life from the place of needing something external to themselves. But I encourage them to want it. The feeling, the somatic feeling. Can you feel how that's so different? Yes. I'm like, I'm like having a visceral experience thinking about these two words, want versus need. Yeah. It's so big. It's so big because codependency, codependent thinking tells us we cannot meet our own needs. Hmm. And so everything becomes a need. What are we code? Like, what are we codependent on in our thoughts, in this process, in the, the tape? I love the tape outside of like potentially partners or kids or whatever. What other things do we become codependent on friends work Mm -hmm. systems pretty pretty much anything that we can project our unmet childhood needs on just like Mm -hmm. casually just like anything (laughs) yeah but truly listen I remember like 15 20 years ago when I was first starting this work like I remember I would get so stoked if I was walking down the street in a big city and someone's backpack was open because then I could be the one that was like pardon me sorry your backpack's open And then they'd be like, oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Like it's the little bullshit. It's the like just not feeling safe and secure in ourselves until someone else gives us that positive feedback till they validate us. And that can look like overworking. It can look like perfectionism, Mm -hmm. right? Like I have to show up 110% of the time everywhere. A client just this morning, we were talking about friendships and she was saying, you know, that she doesn't feel comfortable telling her friends when she's in the shit, when she's having a hard time, when things suck, because, you know, she doesn't want to burden them, right? Because they're not adults who can set boundaries. She doesn't want to like have them think that she can't handle herself, right? All of this projection, we take all of our fears about ourselves and project them on everyone and everything in the entire world. That's what codependent thinking looks like. You said boundaries and I want to, I want to get into that. And I'm, I'm thinking maybe asking for a friend a little bit in this, Mm, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I'm a mm -hmm. a little codependent. (laughs) (laughs) Ask for that friend girl. Just, just ask for her. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) I'm sure she's really sweet. That's great fashion. Go on. Yeah. Codependent behavior around social media. How do we continue to grow? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm continue to grow as humans, continue to grow as businesses and yet not have that codependent relationship with flipping likes. Cause who cares? Dude, like who what cares? are the boundaries? And like, what would you work with a client? Right. I here, here's what I always ask. What are you asking this thing to do for you that you aren't doing for you? Right. Whether that's a drink or exercise or swiping, right. Or counting your likes or, or, or whatever the the buffer is, right? Against feeling your feelings. What are you asking it to do that you're not doing for you? So here, one might be asking social media to prove to you that you're doing a really good job, that you're really putting in the effort, that you have earned whatever money you make in your business, right? Like, I'm not a charlatan. I know what I'm doing. Look, I get all these likes. People like me. 
And so I think we also get to pause because I think this happens in the like wellness and spirituality world where it's like, let me just throw my entire (laughs) self under the fucking bus. But like pause, let's talk biology. So our nervous systems are built to be in ventral vagal first, which is the safe and social part of our nervous system. It is the human mammalian impulse to seek connection, to seek being liked. Because come on, you and me, we're small animals. And so if a lion comes to eat the whole village, we want a bigger animal to grab us and run fast, carrying us, run up a hill, run, good human, run and take us with you. And so, of course, we want to be liked because it's a survival mechanism. We're not fools. Being liked is good for your health on so many levels. So. I say this because we need to honor our biology, honor our nervous system, right? We're not just out here like megalomaniacs, like everyone needs to like me. We have this human drive and and here's where I'm going, compassion. If there's one thing the codependent thinker loves to do, it's to beat themselves up, be really, really mean to ourselves. We are so mean to us, so judgmental, so demanding, so exigent. Versus just remembering like, yo, also I'm a mammal. Of course I want humans to like me. I want the dog to like me. The line is where do I conflate other people's liking me, approving of me, thinking I'm thinking, you know, thinking well of me and changing who I am, stepping out of my authenticity, abandoning myself in order to attempt to get that like. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Where am I abandoning myself to try to get their approval? Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Yep. I, it's just making me, it like makes me feel for the people that are literally like crafting this, this persona on social media. I'm just using this as an example, it's but a great like, one. just for the, for the likes and when it's not even coming from a real place, that's how, how sad really yeah, I have a lot of empathy for that. I mean, yeah, I I get it. You know, if if you don't know how to source your worth internally, like, fine, it makes a lot of sense in its deft up way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's such a, it's also such a let's science it again. Let's talk about dopamine, right? I, know. I was thinking the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. those blue screens, those likes, those hearts, you know, and you're doing a live and like the little hearts flutter up. It's like dopamine factory. I was reading something about dopamine recently. Dr. Andrew Huberman, I don't know if you've read anything mm-hmm. by him. I find yeah. him to be very interesting. Yeah, I'm Argentine. He's half Argentine. I raised my oh, mate really? to, to Dr. Huberman. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. He is, yes, both of you quite, I mean, you're blowing my minds right now. So he had said that dopamine, you know, when we, dopamine is released in anticipation of that reward. Exactly. Right. Which I, I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's when you get the, like, it's when you get the whatever coffee, alcohol, that's when the, the hormone is released, but it's actually that anticipation. So it's just, to me, that was such an interesting light bulb to think about all the ways that we receive dopamine. It's just, it's even just an anticipation of getting that thing. And we can use that to our advantage, right? With self-care, with, with these practices, these things that we look forward to, and we can also really, really, I don't know, become like addicted in a way, right? To the, to the anticipation, to the, just the, even the hope that there's going to be that reward. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I prefer the, to talk about dependency, 
mm-hmm. right? Than than addiction. Because I think we get yeah. into some complex cultural stories there. But yeah, we can really base our choices around will I get the dopamine? Will I get that hit? Will I get that high? Will I get that? <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. I want us to talk just a little bit about where this lines up with. So I'm, I'm thinking like this course that you're talking about. I'm like, I, I'm going to have to do this. Yay. <laughs> like, join us. It's girl, so selling it. <laughs> it's amazing. We laugh. We cry. We dance a lot. I we have dance, dance parties like constantly. That's a, a Leo sun Sag moon. Like let's dance frequently. Get it. Out. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about like where, where someone who is just finding that they have some of these habits, mm-hmm. where can they start? I want them to like understand the type of work that you are doing so that they can join the course because it sounds amazing. Where would Thank they start? You. So I would start with awareness, acceptance, action. It's kind of like the American way of life to like jump to action without properly understanding where we're already, <laughs> where we already are. So I like the example of New Year's resolutions, right? So it's mm-hmm. December 31st and you're like, I haven't moved or eaten a salad or like whatever your health choices are in like a full year. But tomorrow, without understanding why I haven't done this differently all year tomorrow, I will radically and wildly change my life for the good. And it's like, yeah, cool, cool. That's going to last about 47 (laughs) seconds. You know, like, why are you torturing yourself again? Please stop setting resolutions. Instead, What we get to do is step into being our watcher, step into awareness, get really meta with our thoughts, right? Like I did the other day when I was that cassette tape of like, be the fixer started in my head. I saw it, you know, like a, like a ticker tape in Times Square. Like I saw it go across my brain and was like, oh no. Right. So awareness, these are my habitual thoughts, acceptance. Yeah, I can understand why from the patriarchy, my family of origin, survival mechanisms, what I went through as a child and is now written in my inner child, white settler colonialism, like all these reasons why I think this way, accepting that I think that way and I don't need to beat myself up for it because it's just what it is, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, how could you do better if you didn't know better, Mm -hmm. right? So learn, know better, do better. Bada bing, but you don't have to go back in time and beat past you up for what that human didn't know. That is antithetical to the goal of all this work. We can only step out of codependent thinking when we truly, deeply become our own best, best friggin' friend. Mm-hmm. And every time you beat yourself up, you are recreating that neural groove that says, I am not worthy of love and care. So, how, how are you going to set a boundary? How are you going to speak up instead of getting resentful? Right? How are you going to set a limit? State your needs. Meet your needs if you're being mean to you. So it starts by being aware of that voice, accepting you have it, and then pausing. Pausing and inviting yourself to pick a different thought and to get in touch with the resonance somatically in your body. Right? I know now when I'm mean to me, I immediate bellyache. It's like this grumbly green heaviness in my belly that happens when I mean to me. And sometimes I will feel that somatic experience before I recognize the thought. And so I'm like, oh, tell me, hi. Oh yeah, I was just thinking X, Y, Z about my thighs. Oh yeah, (laughs) no one needs to think that. That serves no one in this family. 
all right, let's dance it out. Let's move about it. Let's sing about it. Let's draw about it. You know, whatever your modalities are. And again, these this works for busy parents. Like it can take two seconds of like, okay, I don't have to keep thinking that. It really is within my volition. I really get to choose to help it resonate through my body and take action to make my life better. But it's you can start right now by listening mm-hmm. to your own cassette tapes. It's it the process is complicated, not complicated. It's very simple. It's challenging. It's challenging. You get to rewrite all of your stories about what is safety and security in the world. Oh my gosh, it is so challenging to egos, inner parents, inner children's protector parts. But it's it's a simple process. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's scary. I mean, I think it's out of the comfort zone, right? And that's what makes it so much more meaningful. And you're talking the somatic response of the bellyache. Mine tends to be like a I'll kind of like my shoulders will creep up and my 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 yeah. dad is a chiropractor and he'll be like, oh. wow, let's like, let's work this out around the scapula or whatever. And I'm like, let me just tell you what that's from. Like, okay. <laughs> that's from feelings. Yeah. <laughs> feelings. Yep. That's from feelings. Totally. I talk a lot about this. Uh, I think your dad will like it. So when we grow up walking on eggshells, uh, when we grow up feeling like we need to defend ourselves emotionally and or physically, we get into this stance where we are, we're like a boxer ready for the next blow. And so we create all these tension patterns within our bodies because it was the correct move to do so at the time, right? Right. It was a way to protect ourselves. Again, never throwing inner children under any kind of bus, right? They were doing great. We just Mm -hmm. don't need them to keep doing that. So Mm -hmm. we create this tension and because it's a podcast, so I'm holding my fists up in front of my face, right? My shoulders are tense. My elbows are in smushing my boobs. I'm like, I'm tense here, right? Everything tightens up. And so from that, we live from there, right? We live in defensiveness. We live in taking it personally. We live in going to victim place, which is different from, from saying something real went wrong, right? It's, it's, a, it's a relationship to ourselves as victim of the world, right? And it's a really, it's a really challenging place to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only by learning how to interact with and be in conversation with our body that we can stop moving in this front and back transverse plane and can find, or a sagittal plane rather, can find the transverse plane. We can find side to side motion. And there's so much freedom and openness in saying, I can live from my big open heart and I don't have to be tensed against other people's opinions. That's like tying it into yoga. Like that's making like the planes of the body. I'm just like, uh-huh. oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Victoria, this is like, this might be one of my faves. This is, uh-huh. I've been over a hundred now and I'm like, I don't always get this much from, I mean, probably more for myself, but I hope, I know that listeners are going to be resonating with this too. I want them to to experience all your goodness. How can they do that? I know you have an amazing podcast. You've got your course coming up. Can you just shout out, pimp yourself out? Here we go. Here Maybe we that's go. not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> all the things. All the things. So um, yeah, my course is called Anchored Overcoming Codependency. We start uh, up again soon. So you can head over to victoriaalbina.com slash anchored to learn more about that and to join us for the next cohort. It's going to be a blast. We will laugh. We will cry. We'll dance our pants off. It's so good. Um, you can find me on the gram at Victoria Albina Wellness. I give good gram. And my <laughs> podcast... <laughs> 
is called Feminist Wellness, and it's on all the things for free every Thursday morning. So check it out. A little bit of love on the gram. Well, I, I really enjoy your show. I do really like it. And I've, I've, I've only been listening to it for eh, about a month or so. And I feel like I've consumed a large portion of it. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It is such a pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Thanks to Victoria for this amazing conversation. You can follow her on Instagram at Victoria Albina Wellness. And you can follow us at Yoga Magic Podcast. I will see you next week. Thanks for being here, everyone.